0: Welcome to this episode of the Dealer Playbook. I'm Michael Cirillo. Today, I'm sitting down with my pal Molly Pittman. She's the CEO of Smart Marketer. You might remember her from Digital Marketer. Today, we had an absolutely delightful and unexpected conversation about why you need to focus on your dealership mission in order to increase revenue. There's a couple of things here that I'm super pumped about. And I, I think the first thing that I want to say to you is congratulations, because if I From what i understand about your career and i'm no creepy stalker but if i were to reverse engineer like where we're at it's like okay you are the ceo of smart marketer which is so cool and i mean like anybody who's anybody in the marketing world knows who azure firestone is and of course know who you are so ceo of smart marketer um you know vp at at digital marketer intern at digital marketer hospitality business Bur- like <laughs> bourbon distillery you know and then what i'm picturing is like sitting on a porch in kentucky eating a hot brown
1: <laughs> i love it you're not too far off
0: <laughs> so first of all because i have a lot I, I'm, I'm growing a connection base in in kentucky first thing i have to ask you is, what the heck is a hot brown and, and should i try one the next time i'm there
1: you absolutely should try one Honestly, I've only had a few in my life, but in my in my mind, it's like I think it's ham and cheese and some sort of breaded substance. Like it's really unhealthy, (laughs) but uh, people in Kentucky tend to tend to like it. It's it's on a lot of menus at restaurants, so I think you should definitely try it.
0: I learned a mistake uh, uh, really quickly. The last time I was in Kentucky was actually the first time I was there. Earlier in in 2019, and I was looking at a map, and I'm like, and I made a comment. I think I was in a restaurant. I was with my colleague, and I'm like, but like, is this the South? Oh man! Like you Mm. heard all that, all the ambient noise in the restaurant just like stopped, and the and it was like, dude, we are South, and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa! I'm just asking based on what I saw on a map. Like, yeah, you you almost
1: started a riot. You almost started a riot what's funny is as the country is reopening um you know due to coronavirus uh, i live in amsterdam so i'm not as well versed on this but i'm pretty sure they've grouped states into certain sections and you know I-, I don't know the sentiment is that that's how this operation is happening and so kentucky was lumped into the midwest section Ooh. and i logged on to facebook one morning to Lots of angry family members and friends who definitely feel as though Kentucky is the South. I mean, look—if you look at a map, it could definitely be the Midwest. But if you look at the culture and the personality and just what runs, you know, true and deep there, it definitely has Southern values and Southern hospitality. So that's why people get so defensive.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, like when I heard the and shotgun, probably like is my favorite of-
1: thing about Kentucky. Yeah, Yeah, I mean Kentucky is like a big hug. There, uh, there there are lots of great things about Kentucky, so it's definitely the South.
0: I thought it was so funny. Um, you know, I have kids. I have three kids: um, a ten-year-old and uh, well, now nine-year-old. And we were like, you know what? We're gonna. So I'm in Alberta, Canada. To just put this into context, we're like, let's put them in baseball. They seem to be enjoying baseball, so we put them in baseball. And we thought, hey, we'll put them in baseball because you know the coach is going to kind of be on him a little bit like hey let's let's go, let's go swing for the ball like you know all these sorts of things no it was like a kid out in the outfield doing the floss picking daisies um and the coach is just being like okay better better luck next time i was like what is this so i go and visit kentucky my colleague goes he says to me look you don't have to come but my kids are in baseball we're going to the game tonight so you can you know you can go back to the hotel or you can come check it out it's totally up to you and i'm like Oh, what the heck i'll go hang out with family and get to know you guys a little bit more i'm not kidding you molly i thought i was afraid i showed up dude and it was like was it intense holy i've never seen anything like this in my entire life i don't even uh, think the sports majors- are
1: life sports are life and i think a lot of that is because there aren't i don't think there are any professional sports in kentucky period no there are a few in cincinnati which is right over the river To the north, (laughs) over the river, to the north. I really sound like a Kentuckian, but I think that that plays into it. I mean, you know that there's a huge love for college sports, (laughs) Kentucky and Louisville. Right. But yeah, I grew up in a very competitive sports environment. I played soccer growing up, and my dad played football. Our entire school system was very competitive when it comes to sports, and. I think you find that all over the state. I realized how afraid I could be of people like of parents. And these are, <laughs> these people are my age, but
0: they were like, what the heck <laughs> you doing? You you ran to first base in five seconds last time. You got to do it in three. And I'm like, this kid's seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so it was intense. intense. It's intense. Um, And you know yeah. what, though? I Part of me wishes that that was the case because kids are going to grow up in, in, I think, an increasingly... Uh, competitive environment and i mean this is my shallow attempt at a segue into (laughs) social media um but but you know i i do think it is interesting because everything is so competitive these days there's nowhere you can turn where there isn't some semblance of if you if you don't compete you will not stand out um
1: yeah and and i mean i think For me, I'm glad that I had those experiences because that is ingrained in me in some way and has kind of made me a self-starter, which of course helps in entrepreneurship or, you know, any other aspect of your life. But I do think that it's something that I've had to unlearn a bit in terms Mm. of, you know, competitiveness is really about measuring yourself against others and sort of being ahead or being behind. And I think that that it, it can be a great motivator but if you stay if you continue to operate from that place throughout your career it's going to be hard to be fulfilled because you're always yeah. measuring yourself off of someone else and so I do think there is a point where a transition needs to happen and for me it's like you know I guess I'm competing against myself or you know becoming the best person I can be and trying less to to compare so I just wanted to point that out because that's a Really big lesson that I've learned the past few years.
0: I love that too. I mean, we see it so much in the the retail car business. We see it all the time. I mean, they get a monthly report showing how they stack up to the to the dealership next to them, oh, and yeah. I mean those those reports are so void of of many things that I think are much more essential than just whatever that KPI is getting uh, passed back to me. Absolutely. I mean, like. I don't know what the context of the culture of that number one organization mm-hmm, is. Mm-hmm. Like maybe they're doing good from numbers but maybe it's just a complete slave driver environment yeah. where your team like, would uh, you know toss you off a cliff at first chance or totally. ver- versus maybe you're number 10 on the list and your numbers don't look as good but you've got a team of 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 employees who would lay down on train tracks for you.
1: Yes. Yeah, and, and that is where true fulfillment comes from. Um and I can tell you that firsthand. And it's one of the biggest reasons that I decided to become a part of smart marketer. You know, the tagline of the company is serve the world unselfishly and profit. And you know, Ezra founded this company with with that meaning behind it, that vision, and has really held true to it um in terms of hiring and you know the products that have been created and just the message and the information that we've put out there. so, um yeah I, I don't think there's anything more important than that in business and I love that you brought that up because uh, the measuring stick that we use as entrepreneurs generally is revenue or is in some way <laughs> tied to money and I think it's important for us to start talking about the other aspects too because those are truly what matter in my opinion especially yeah. when it comes to feeling good about what you're doing in the world which is what this is really about you know eventually uh money really you know uh, it's not going to make you happy <laughs> and I Yeah, think true. most people listening have figured that out
0: it, and you know what i mean like my kids don't know how much money i make or or how much money mm-hmm. i don't make it has zero bearing mm-hmm. on what brings them joy comfort safety I, and Now, there is there is kind of the other side of this because there are people out there. I mean, like Grant Cardone's one of them who is like, yeah, money never made you happy, but it never made you unhappy like either. And it's like, well, I I get it. But I love, you know, I think one of the reasons why your message resonates with me is because I believe so deeply in the fact that. But what do I want? You know, like what is life Mm -hmm. supposed to look like for me? What do I want it to look like? Mm. My, My wife and I talk about it all the time, which is we love She's a she's a hairdresser, by the way, so she gets the the scoop. She gets the the DL <laughs> on so many people's lives. I'm
1: sure, the gossip, the drama.
0: Uh, oh, the drama, and and I know she's had a particularly heavy psychology day. When when I just come home from the studio, and she gives me a big hug, and she'll just say like, "Thank you so much for our completely boring life," and I'm like, "It Aww. is, you know, it is kind of boring, but I think that's that's her way of saying thank you for stability because like we are super chill." chill. We like, you know, it doesn't take a lot to please us. We run like as an organization, we run super lean. And I love what you were saying, like to your point about when times were good just a few months ago, it is so easy for us to puff our feathers and be like, look, we had a series a funding round and we raised a hundred million dollars and we just hired 700,000 more people. And we're going to do 8 billion in revenue in this year and blah, blah, blah. And now look what's happening. The going got tough and they fired everybody. Now there's all these people like United States unemployment, 25 million. Um, You you look at Disney, who's like, well, we lost about 1.8 billion this quarter alone. We're, you know, uh, crap. And it's like, it's funny how unsexy the numbers became when things got a little bit tight.
1: Um yeah but you know a lot of that is really on the educators in this space. That is the responsibility of the leaders in our market and the reason that there is such an obsession with um you know money and having a seven, seven figure eight figure nine figure we're going to 10x stuff. We're going to scale scale scale, you know specifically in the digital marketing industry, the reason it is that way is because Nothing against Grant Cardone, but people like Grant, that is the message they're putting out there. So I think that's something that, A, we all need to look at and something Ezra and I feel passionate about putting out a different message that allows people to measure themselves in a different way that more so reflects like, what is my gift? You know, we all have certain strengths, certain gifts. There is a reason we were attracted to entrepreneurship or whatever it is that you're doing um, so, you know, if you are in service of that and doing that, the money will come, right? And that feels good because you are fulfilling your purpose. But if the uh, obsession is always monetary, the fulfillment will never come. You will always be unfulfilled because you're optimizing for something that, um, you know, I, I mean, yes, money can buy you comforts. Money can get you out of uh, bad situations, uh, money can definitely buy you distractions but money can also be a huge distraction and it can be a huge stress. I know that as I've made more money in my life it has become a bit more stressful in a way. And I know a lot of business owners that have been so obsessed with scale 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 and then they get to that number or that place that um you know that they've been shooting for that is the promised land as laid out by so many people And they're even more unhappy than they were when their business was at a million dollars a year or $500,000 a year when times were a lot simpler and when they were able to be a a lot leaner. So, um, yeah, sorry, kind of went down a rabbit hole there, but I just feel really passionate about that because you know, there's nothing wrong with making money. I'm not here to be like, woo, we shouldn't make money. And like, this is all <laughs> uh, about doing what you love. Like, no, sure. I love both sides of the coin. I just see um, the pendulum is very much swung in the other way right now. And I also, you know, as I said, that a huge responsibility, uh, us as educators, we are very much responsible for uh, for that. So, <laughs> uh,
0: it, Well, it's true too. I mean, like, So I moved to, I I was in British Columbia, Canada, which is like, let's go surfing. Let's, you know, it's wine country in Canada. It's all those sorts of things. I moved to Alberta, which is the third largest distributor of energy oil. So we live, you know, we live out in a, in a a suburb of Edmonton. It's where like all the oil executives live. So we see these massive acreages. We see these massive Mm. houses. We like, you know, twelve thousand fifteen thousand square foot homes, gorgeous, like absolutely gorgeous, but you know what 's interesting is when I moved here uh, my my sentiments have shifted in that i f- you know because I think there's everybody grows up a little bit with this like, oh man, it would be awesome to be able to afford that house and to mm-hmm. do that do whatever you go- want right. the longer I live here and the more I focus. On the culture of my organization, the culture of my family, what matters most, focusing my attention and my energy, my talents, my capabilities on what I really believe matter most. At first, the, the, maybe the hard thing that I think a lot of people, you know, people that follow Gary Vee, people that follow Grant Cardone, people that follow, you know, all of the influencers out there. I think one of the the hardest pieces of the whole puzzle is Them as an individual admitting to themselves that A, maybe I don't actually want to get to a point where I can buy a private jet. And then B, Mm -hmm. that's okay. Yes. Right. And I've gotten to that point where I'm like, whoa, this is weird. I've only lived here for just shy of three years. And I went from it would be so awesome to own a 15,000 square foot home to. You know what? If I'm making that kind of money, I would rather just have like a a nice house that I'm stoked about. But then I wanna, I wanna, I wanna do the the Molly Pittman thing. I wanna have a flat in Amsterdam. I wanna have a flat in Copenhagen. Like I wanna have these places that I could just go to and visit. You Um, want experiences. I want experiences. And at first it was really difficult because I'm such a type A, like go, 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 go. I had to realize I'm never satisfied when I, when I get to that thing like here's a perfect example um I go from dealing with uh, uh severe suicidal depression for the better part of a decade in my 20s to overcoming that to deal, learning how to deal with it to focusing on positive to shifting my mindset from the lack to gratitude to abundance To, you know, just being who I am today, coming out of that, being like, there's so many things that I've talked myself out of doing that I'm now going to do, right? I've got this new revival. So I write a book. I'm pointing to my Napoleon Dynamite figure. I write a book. It becomes a number one bestseller, something that I never thought I would ever be able to achieve. And I skipped right right past it. I was like, oh, cool. Mm -hmm. Great. Now on to the next thing. Like never satisfied with where you are you know to your point i, I resonate
1: make, with that <laughs>
0: i'm i'm making more money now than i ever thought i would make in my entire life um mm-hmm. and but i don't i there's something about me where it's funny like mike myers talks about this in, in relation to his time on snl where he goes i wish i would have just enjoyed it a little bit more when i was there because yes. i was always like the next skit, the next skit's got to be funnier. Mm-hmm. I need some sort of feedback on how great this is. And, and then it's over and then it's over and you're looking back and he goes, well, my biggest regret about SNL is that I just didn't stop for a minute and really enjoy what I was doing there. And so I see a lot of that in myself and I see, you know, I think a lot of people struggle with this as well, where they're like, Oh, well, it's easy for Michael to say he operates four companies and they're successful and they're debt-free and they're privately held and they're blah, 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 blah. And he's living life on his terms and he overcame mental illness and he um and it's like, well, no, like you have to just get to a point where you are okay admitting to yourself that what you really want in life does not align with what Gary Vee and Grant Cardone preach, or even what maybe Michael mm-hmm. or Molly Pittman preach. Cause like Molly Pittman is is like people go, Well, holy crap, it is so awesome. Molly lives in Amsterdam. I'd love to live in Amsterdam. Okay, we'll do it. Because like that's what she did. <laughs> <laughs> she she did it.
1: She just did yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. I resonate with everything you just said. I actually have a book coming out in a few weeks called Click Happy. And mm. it's kind of about this topic, actually. It's a little bit like what I wish someone would have handed me 10 years ago before I got in the industry and a lot about just the huge opportunity uh, that th- there's still a huge opportunity online and people don't understand that. Like We're in such the early phases, but a lot of the book is about my experience in my career as you're talking about and... um lessons that i've learned there's like sort of nine more life lessons that i've learned book and you know i think what you said about enjoying the now that is one of the biggest lessons i've learned in the last few years because for me it was always about the next step like you said and there is no place you're going to get like i said earlier where you're like okay i did it you know i mean there are milestones along the way But if you can appreciate the journey, like for example, a big goal for me has been of course, I take weekends and I take time off, but I want to get to a place where I love what I'm doing so much that I have an equal level of enthusiasm on a Monday as I do a Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) Because that definitely hasn't been the case my whole life. And so, you know, I'm pretty much there right now, and that feels good. So it's like, if you can, just like you would set a goal for wanting to grow a business to $20 million or whatever it is, just like you would set a goal and steps to achieve that, do that for ways that you want to feel. You know, something that Ezra Firestone, my business partner, we mentioned him earlier, you know, he... I don't have the exact quote, but he always says something to the effect of appreciating... or. You can't get to where you want to go if you don't appreciate what you have here and now. And it's so true. <laughs> and so, you know, practicing that um and creating goals of, you know, I want to feel this way, not just I want to have this much money, but I want to feel a certain way or I want to show up like this in relationships or, you know, I want to feel like this when I'm working on a Sunday. I don't want to... um you know, I don't want to dread Monday coming. I don't want the Sunday scaries. If you can make those just as much of a priority, that's how you're able to have a truly rich life um, in all aspects.
0: It's it's this it's this weird, I don't even know what I would call it, like conundrum maybe of as entrepreneurial people, and I think a lot of people in, in the industry that I'm in, uh, the industry you're in, have a challenge with is, shutting their brain off or, or giving themselves permission to, well, first of all, the only way your brain shuts off is when you're dead. So that's, that's the first thing. Um, but dealing with, Oh man, like I want to go on a family walk on Sunday and I need to give myself permission to do that because I know I absolutely put in my best effort from Monday to Friday or Monday to Saturday or or vice versa i i i had enough like i don't want to say balance cuz like that but but i i i was able to prioritize the way my days flowed to the degree that if i do need to work on a sunday i'm not feeling mm-hmm. bad o- about that on the reverse angle like from a family perspective because i know that i was spending quality time with my wife and children every day this week
1: yeah absolutely and you know, slow is fast in business. Uh, really, it it truly is. And whenever I've been successful in projects or with companies or seeing my students, you know, when you are, and a lot of this happens because of people that we're following or us trying to reach these crazy monetary goals, um, you know, the, there are many reasons that people do this. But you know, most of it is competition, but we start operating out of fear or scarcity, you know, like we got to catch up or, you know, we're behind. And so that causes uh, you to be frantic and you to kind of put that energy out there. And that usually doesn't go well for people. And especially because they're not happy. (laughs) So I think a big takeaway for people is like truly slow is fast. If you are playing the long game in a business, this is not a race. You know, <laughs> like we're we're really not racing. There's room for everybody, and so if you go too fast and you burn yourself out, then what are you going to do? You know, that's something that I've gone through in the past. So for me, it's not about rewarding myself. Okay, Molly, you did all this awesome stuff in business, and you were super pro- productive this week. You get this time off. You know, as right. a reward. Right. It's like that time happened no matter what. I mean, yeah, of course, there are sometimes on the weekends or during these days that are set aside for personal time that I might have to work. But I always do balance that out. Um, because if I don't, if if those boundaries aren't really strict and tight and stable, um, that is when I can become a bit frantic or operate out of fear. And then that leads to burnout and truly nothing gets done and it's not sustainable. So. I would just err on the side of caution for people that feel like um like the grind, the hustle. Like yeah, there is a time to work hard and really dig in, but um if you're being strategic and you're working smart, um and you know you know how to prioritize, there really is never a time in your career where you should be hustling to a point that it affects your health um, or that it affects your relationships. And that's something that I've gone through. That's something I've seen so many other people go through. And again, a lot of that is on us as leaders in the entrepreneurial community, you know, speaking up about that, speaking up about, you know, for me, I try to take Fridays off. So that's something cool that I like to do. Have three solid days that, yeah, of course, I'll do some correspondence or, you know, I'll Chat with students, maybe, but I'm trying to turn my brain off um, and really protect myself because we don't realize the amount of stress that it brings when we work like that. You know, I've been there working 80 hour weeks, never put it down, wake up with the phone in my hand, like turned on 24 hours a day. And, like, yeah, it accelerated my career, but it also did a lot of damage to me, like my health and my mental health. And so, I just like to put that out there for people as a warning, and also for anybody who has gone through it. Like, slow is truly fast, <laughs> yeah. and it is a long-term game, and you've got to keep it, keep that in mind. And there is absolutely room for everybody, so you are not racing against anybody. And of course, you need to follow through. You need to work hard. You got to do the work. That's a no-brainer. But you know, the hardest part nowadays in our culture is actually doing the work on yourself. You know, most students or people that I work with that I see that are having a hard time, it's not that they're a bad business person. It's not that they don't know what they're doing. Their personal life is just so out of whack <laughs> mm-hmm. and their energy is so out of whack that they are self-sabotaging or as a whole company, they're self-sabotaging. So yeah, yeah. It, hopefully that's helpful for you guys.
0: Yeah, no. I mean, this is, this is huge. And, and I was just saying pre-show that I was driving to the studio and I'm like, Molly gets asked 18 zillion of the same questions about Facebook ads. I'm sure we're going to cover a few of those in a minute and advertising best practices. But I was like, ultimately, I, I want to have a different conversation with her. And I had no clue it was going to go in this direction, but I'm so glad that it is <laughs> because I feel, I, love it. I feel so like enriched right now. Um, And I know this is a this is something that that my listeners need to hear more of. I mean, one of the running jokes in the in the auto industry is they'll post a meme on Facebook of like clearly like a 90 year old man or woman. And they're like, I don't know what everyone's you know, it's like, I don't know what everyone's talking about. I'm 36 and feel great, you know, kind of a thing. Yeah, it's like, okay, well, well, you're wearing busy as a badge. And there's certainly the the narrative of hustle grind, you know, go, go, it's unnecessary. Yeah, I mean to to your point, what what I'm really picking up from what you were saying is like we're playing a long game here. Um that's probably the one thing that I like Gary Vee talks about is like hey, you've got time. You you you're you're 26, mm-hmm. you've got time. You're 30, you've got time. You're 50, you've got time. Um yeah. and I don't think a lot of people realize that if I am playing the long game, then what what you were just saying is like, yeah, working those 80 hour weeks helped my career in the moment. But it also kind of sets you back because of what you said, like a lot of what it put you through, what you had to deal with. Like, I don't know what the impact of that will be 35 years from now. Yeah. You
1: know. Oh, it's crazy. And I mean, that happened two and a half years ago, and I'm finally feeling more normal from it. So, mm. like everything always evens out in the end. And yeah, I love talking about this stuff because this is really, of uh, like I said, a huge missing piece that I see for entrepreneurs right now. and I'm actually um, with my book Click Happy is uh, a, a free course is included called Balanced Being, which is funny you said balanced earlier. and it's myself and Ezra and a few members of the team talking about this type of stuff, like communication, how do you deal with your finances, you know? Um, like, uh, how do you deal with your team? How do you deal with your interpersonal relationships? Like what about your purpose? And, uh, with business, you know, all the tactical, of course, I love Facebook ads. I love digital marketing. And I've been on hundreds of podcasts and blog posts and courses talking about that stuff. And that's important. But this side of it, um, I definitely feel at least right now, like, I feel like I should be talking about it because so many people are struggling with it.
0: I this is something I could talk about every day. In fact, you know, it's funny because the last time you were on the podcast it was very like the the whole purpose of the podcast was very um what's the word tactical. I want to use tactical. It was so focused on tactics like okay, step 1, what can we do? Step 2, step 3, what can they take right. away? But but I realized like yes, there's a time and a place for a tactic. Uh, but tactics mean nothing if you don't have a bigger strategy. Like, what strategy okay. are you following? And then strategy kind of, for me, flows into. But what do I want? Like, why? Why would I even want to grow my business? And a lot of people, I don't mm-hmm. think, can even answer that question. Like, why do I want to grow my business? No. What's funny about that is, as as things started to happen, and I mean, obviously, it's I, I'm I'm almost sick of talking about the the pandemic at this point because it was like so heavy oh, for so long. Um, but I mean, context-wise. One of the things that I think is interesting is what came out of this in conversations with my team is that a real driver for us to want to grow our business is so that the next time something like this happens, and it will, and by the way, there's also issues happening all the time. Every day, there's, there's issues. There's things that we, we can be doing to serve the world, to serve people. I'm like, dude. The I think the only reason I really care about growing my business to to that 10x level over the next five years or decade is because the next time something catastrophic like this happens, I want to be in a position to go. You're taking care of. You're taking care of. You're taking care. Of. Like I, I look at all these companies that are like, you know, and I can't think of any off the top of my head, ironically, but but there are. We know there are some who, in the last recession, were nothing drew to multi billions of dollars over their last decade t- or 12 years, 20 years, whatever. And now they're like, and we're opening up a billion dollar fund to help, you know, people who have been, um, whatever. Or you look at famous chefs like Guy, your or however you say his name. And he's like, you know, I'm good. So I'm going to start a, a fund for people that have lost jobs in the hospitality business. And he's raised like $20 million or something crazy like that. And I'm like, now we're talking because it's like, yeah, I can do good in a one-to-one fashion for my clients directly proportionate to the the work that I do for them or the service I provide. But there is this bigger piece that I think so often gets used as a publicity stunt, which is the the real ability a company can have to, to support and serve.
1: Absolutely. And and a lot of people put that in a box of like, well, I'm not a nonprofit or I already right. donate to charity and they think of it in that way. But that's just one small piece of it. That's almost like the extreme piece of what you're talking about in, in a way. Like yeah. There are ways that you can profitably serve your customers. So for example, let's look at Smart Marketer. I mean, at the core, why Smart Marketer exists is because we all love to nerd out about marketing and business, as you can probably tell. And there's nothing that makes us more excited than someone going through one of our courses or reading, consuming our content, going and implementing and growing their business and being able to hire more people or students have told me, "Hey, I was able to send my kids to college or I went and built this cool thing in Africa or you know, whatever they are empowered to do, I'm giving them a skill set, thousands of people, a skill set, go get, you know, their mission out there, go get their purpose out there for them to go help other people. But I'm still making money from it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still making money from it, but I'm providing an actual transformation for them. And I think that that is the missing piece. I mean, that's the missing piece in most people's marketing is that they don't have a transformation to provide the end user. And so the marketing message isn't that strong. You know? So if that is the first place that you start and you really feel passionate about that, um, then you know, that, that to me is just such an amazing business. And again, it's different than you know, one of my goals is maybe in the future to own some sort of like dog kennel or dog shelter because mm. I really love dogs. But that's more in the like nonprofit um, uh, project uh, <laughs> category that I mentioned earlier. Like you can still be a profitable business that scales or whatever you're looking for from it, um, and truly serve people first.
0: Yeah, I love that so much. You mentioned something earlier I want to just dig into a little bit. So there's smart marketer. There's 18 zillion. Mm-hmm. Don't fact check me on the number, but there's, there's a, a lot of other info, education, um, training, marketing, right? Like everybody these days, is a marketer, it's like you open up a, uh, a box of, Whatever you know, Cracker Jacks, and it's like you are now a marketer, and it's like oh sweet, <laughs> right? And everybody calls himself yeah. a marketer, and I've and, and you know LinkedIn's profiles, everybody's like I hey, help marketers become better marketers on marketer. It's like Russian nesting dolls of marketing, and yeah. and and so there's a lot out there. And you mentioned um, which I love because I believe it so deeply. Like this is not a race, and there's more than enough for everybody. How does molly like how do you navigate because i i'm sure you see it just like i see it you're scrolling through facebook and you're like oh there's another competitor or like mm-hmm. oh there, there's another company that's saying they do the exact like from at face value sounds like they do the exact same thing as me because I, i'll tell you and you know this i mean yeah. in in the automotive industry specifically it is like dog eat dog or at least it can be yeah. that way it's so competitive i it's mean like, oh what is my competitor doing? Oh, crap. My competitor's doing this. I must do this because we're fighting for the same. Like, it's, it's just very bloody water. So what, what do you say to like, how do you navigate that? Um, yep. how, do you, how do you keep well, your focus and just say, well, that, that is what it is. We're doing this.
1: But love that question because this does happen to all of us. And first off, competition in a market is great because that shows you that there is a need. You know, if um, if someone comes to me with an idea, you know, I'm the person that my friends call me with the crazy business ideas. And the first thing I do is Google to see if something like that idea exists. And if it doesn't, I'm actually weary of even moving forward with it. Of course, there is a time and place for a novel idea and I'm not knocking it. But, you know, for me... If there is competition in the market, that's awesome because that shows me like they have proof of concept. They've gone first. And so I'm taking less risk. Um, So I just wanted to first put that out there um, because I think that a lot of people don't think of it that way. You know, they're like, oh, I've got to be the first or the only. And then something else that I want to point out that I see so many of my friends and students struggle with this. And I'm going to use the example. I'm going to use uh, my friend as an example. His name is Sean, and his wife is. Her name is uh, Sarah Prout, and she is this like spiritual leader, like author, sells information, like really successful. I actually just bought her book at a bookstore here in Amsterdam, and so that's you know sort of the market that they're in or the people that they're serving. And I also have a. Client and friend Gabby Bernstein, who is also in sort of that market. Like she has held the world's longest meditation and has like eight New York Times bestsellers. Wow. She's been on Oprah, like all of that. Like she she does it. <laughs> yeah. And so Sean comes to me and he's like, Hey, you know, I saw that Gabby did this like meditation challenge or something. And I had an idea to do something like that. And we were about to launch it. And so I'm just going to have to change it now because, you know, she's already doing that. And this is so interesting. It's exactly what you're talking about. And I see this happen all the time. And so I related it back to the digital marketing industry, because as you said, we aren't shy. There's tons of competition. And, you know, the free class or the offer I was working on at the moment was this free seven-day Facebook class. And I'm like, Sean, do you know how many other people have free, I'm sure even seven day Facebook classes out there. <laughs> and yeah. this is a pretty small market right. I'm sure there's you know maybe almost a hundred of them, but yeah. I didn't think about that at all when putting mine out there because I know that mine is unique to me, okay, and right. I think this goes back to you know kind of figuring out what your gift is or what your purpose is um and realizing that. Different people are going to resonate with different businesses, with different humans. And so back to my friend, Sean, I'm like, Sean, you absolutely can do this meditation thing. Look how many, there are thousands of people on the internet talking about meditation. There are certain people in this market that are going to resonate with Sarah's story and her experience and her personality. And for some reason, they're going to be drawn to her. Some people are going to be drawn to Gabby and her story and her experiences, even though essentially they're selling the same thing. That's just how it works. I mean, look at how many different, like, even, well, we don't need to get into religion, but yeah, I I think that you're getting what I'm saying. Like, there are always subsets of the market that are going to resonate with different people based for for different reasons. And so there is always room, especially if there's something unique about you. You know, if you are providing that transformation, like we were just discussing, Ezra, my business partner, he owns a cosmetic and skincare brand called Boom by Cindy Joseph. And I think that his products are good. But I mean, think about how many... Other businesses out there online and retail are selling skincare and makeup. It is mm-hmm. such a saturated market. But the reason he's been able to sell, you know, over a hundred million dollars the last few years in cosmetics solely through online channels and paid advertising, like 90% of this is just what we know with Facebook ads, um, is because he was able to overlay this message and this sort of mission and say, Hey, we're pro age. So most companies are telling you that you have wrinkles and that you need anti age and you need to look younger and buy like the wrinkles gotta go. They gotta go. And we're saying, Hey, we're here to celebrate you. We're, this is the pro age revolution and we're celebrating women over the age of 50 and your natural beauty. And so just that positioning, even though, you know, I think the makeup's cool, but you can buy similar makeup from other products. That is the single reason other than, you know, I think Ezra being a great marketer that that brand is successful. And so think about it. That message, they're not getting that message from L'Oreal and all the, I mean, I could name hundreds of makeup and skincare brands, but that message attract attracted that part of the audience. And that's why he is so successful in one of the most saturated markets that exists. So I think it really ties back to like, what do you bring to the table? How can you make, you know, even though everybody usually, you know, most people in their life need to buy a car. Most of us multiple times. (laughs) So you have that to your benefit. How are you providing a unique experience that other people aren't? And like, for me, just really quick, and this is a side example. I'm not saying anybody should run out and do this. A lot of this could be, catering your dealerships to certain avatars like for me being this sort of nomadic entrepreneur which there are more of us every day as people more people get online for me owning a car has been a real pain in the ass like i thought i was gonna (laughs) live in colorado so i leased this car and then i moved to amsterdam and now it's sitting in tahoe and like this model does not work for me you know and i know a lot of my friends have the same issue like could you revolutionize the industry in some way to provide you know a way that i could still lease or buy a car but for my certain circumstance and that's that might not be the best example but like h- how are you different i guess is what i'm putting out there that is what's going to draw people to you it's not about the market being saturated it's if you think the market's saturated it's because you are acting like and operating like everybody else so if you look like them, if you act like them, then no, you're you're not going to stand out. You are just going to be another dealership. So if you're willing to think out of the box and truly provide something special, that's that's you know really what sets you apart.
0: Yeah, I love that you talk about mission, right? I mean it's it's like going back to the cosmetics, it's because this message is rooted in a mission, and it, that mission. Like I think about my company, my company has a very specific mission. Your company has a very specific mission, and that is what helps us create this foundation of unique. Um, like L'Oreal has their their vision or their mission. Max Factor has their mission. Um, right, yeah, I'm struggling for cosmetic companies at this point, but
1: yeah, but you, but you know what I lame. mean. You know, they're lame. They're like, all the <laughs> missions are the same. Like, so lame. Take, yeah, take a counter approach or something new. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like, something like making car buying easy. Like, that's not fun. You know, like for me, the uh, only really interesting thing I've ever seen happen in the car industry was CarMax. And, you know, that's why I've pretty much only dealt with them because they make it so easy for you. But that's still kind of lame. Like you're just making it easier. (laughs) I don't know. I just challenge you guys to really like think about boom as an example. And like, how can you be that?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and that's exactly it. It's like there there really is no competition because the one thing that your competitor doesn't have is you and you are unique Mm -hmm. and you have your own thoughts and you have your own definition of success. I mean, to your point, it's why. People are still out there throwing in a VHS DVD, streaming it however they're doing it. They're throwing in Tai Bo, and they're doing Tai Bo with whatever that dude's name is. And then there's people right yes. next door doing Beachbody. <laughs> dude, there's there's people out yes. there still like rocking to Mary Hart's Shaping Up, you know, with their leggings yes. and their tube socks. I can't believe yep. I, I remember that. But but I love that's that. why there, there's room for all of these because it res you know it resonates. And not not forgetting this, like especially as it pertains to vehicles. Let's just say. Um, I can't deny the fact that as a human being with my own flavor, tastes, ideas, feelings, all these sorts of things that I might like the way the Honda looks, but it's just uncomfortable for me. It doesn't work for me, or I might like the way the Silverado works, but it's just not comfortable for me. It's, it's no different than why at this point in my life in my late thirties, I've I've owned like 60 or 70 pillows because
1: it's just like, <laughs> you know, like, I. Can, and by the way, I'm still on the hunt, but <laughs> it's a good pillow. We um, should chat about this. I'm a pillow enthusiast also. Are, okay. I could,
0: I could open a museum of pillows at this point, but, but it's like, there's so many factors that even go beyond, you know, the foundation of a mission. It's like, does this actually work for me? Like, I'm sure there are people out there. In in this context, that have tried Boom Cosmetics, and maybe they just don't, you know, maybe the colors are off, or maybe they don't like the way it feels. Like there, you, there's elements that are beyond your control as a marketer or your control as a business. But the best, you know, chance you have is to really clearly define your mission, your definition of success, and put that message out into the world. Um, you're going to create the content with your message, and that message is going to find your audience and people that. That gravitate towards you.
1: And really quick, I think that people think they need to go on this huge soul journey and do all this crazy stuff to figure out their mission or their purpose. First off, I think your purpose changes over time. And usually it's a lot more obvious than you think. Like it's whatever feels very easy to you and that you feel passionate about. So, for example, the reason that, you know, Ezra with Boom, His business partner, Cindy Joseph, who sadly passed away last year, they had been friends since Ezra was young because Cindy came to take classes on the commune that Ezra grew up in in Hawaii. It's a long story. It's a pretty cool story. But Ezra actually moved to New York when he was 18 to play underground poker and lived at Cindy's house. And so Cindy was this model, like beautiful gray hair, um, already sort of building a following of women that were this avatar. And Ezra saw how passionate she was for these women. And she was talking about, you know, how, you know, makeup, like they could create makeup that was specifically for this audience. And so it it's not even it's not like and, and then, of course, Ezra feels very passionate about women's rights. And like, of course, he feels passionate about the message behind it, but it was her. like it started yeah. with her. And so right. sometimes, That's how it might show up. But like for me with marketing, like I have, um, as you, you explained, you know, I worked in the bourbon industry and I've, I've done different things. But as soon as I was exposed to digital marketing and digital business, I was hooked. Like it wasn't work to me. I wanted to soak it up like a sponge. And then as soon as I had enough experience, I wanted to help other people and that feels very natural to me it feels very easy and so that's how i know it's right so yeah i just wanted to say that because a lot of people are like all right i got to find my purpose or mission like you know <laughs> yeah. where is it I'm like gonna you're going to go actively Everest. find it yeah. yeah and it's usually it's probably already there <laughs>
0: yeah it's true like i i think it's so funny um you know, as, as a bit of an aside, right? Like, so I started podcasting in the automotive industry and I mean, like people are like, wow, you know, my kids asked me, are you famous? I'm like, if I want to, if I, if fame was like what I was going after, I would not start a podcast in the, in the (laughs) automotive industry, (laughs) you know? So not the
1: broadest, not the broadest market.
0: Yeah. And it, and it's funny though, because earlier in the, in the, in this conversation I had mentioned, like we started out one way, And then that kind of shifted and that kind of shifted. And I realized that of myself, my big thing is this can be a tool to bring relief to an industry that is so um, void of like just that, that, that voice of reason or that, like, that's just something Mm -hmm. I I'm so passionate about. And so that comes through in the show, but it's funny because so many podcasters will hit me up. They're like, Hey dude, we're thinking about starting a
1: a, a car dealer podcast, like, would you be okay with that? I'm like, dude, giddy up, man! Yeah, Let's of course. Roll. Like, we're on the same mission, you know. And the people, yeah. like, that even makes you want to, like, hey, how can I help? Is usually what I say because yeah. we're on the same mission.
0: It, exactly, and it and it just ties into, gosh, Molly, like, what has been such a delightful conversation? I'm so glad that we were able to yeah, connect for this. Me um, too. And I'm. Strangely, like I honestly, I came into it being like, okay, we're going to talk some Facebook ads. I'm totally happy that we we <laughs> didn't, and I'm so happy we went down this path because it is so on mission for this uh, every industry, right? Like everybody needs to hear more about this this message and what you believe and what I believe because I I really do feel that to your point, this is such a void um, um, concept, and it is incumbent upon us as leaders as educators to get this message out there to more people so that they can live the best version of their life that they want to live like life on their terms not yes, oh well that's what we, matters we only did a million in revenue so therefore we're not worth anything it's like shut up you're mm-hmm. awesome so exactly. um you, you mentioned your book so i'm super excited about that how can those listening get in touch with you and keep up to date with the book launch and all that kind of stuff
1: Yes. So as of May 25th, 2020, at clickhappy.com, you will find my book and also that free course um, that comes with the book about being a balanced entrepreneur. Uh, I think that'll be helpful to a lot of you guys. You can also find more of my courses and work at smartmarketer.com also mollypittman.com. So a few websites for you to browse if, uh, if you have some time. I'm most active on Instagram. So at Molly Pittman Digital. But you can also find me, uh, my brand page on Facebook also. So those would be the best places. If you are looking for Facebook-specific information, I do have a free 7-day Facebook class, as I mentioned earlier. You can just Google Molly Pittman seven day Facebook class, you know, smart marketer or something like that, and it'll definitely come up. Um, and that's just a free class. We just ask for your email address.
0: Molly, you're the best. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for checking out this episode featuring Molly Pittman. You know, When it comes to creating, optimizing and managing Facebook ads, Molly Pittman, she's really at the top of her game and, and truth be told, that's. What I went into this conversation, almost thinking we should be talking about, I was driving into the studio and I'm like, you know, everybody talks to Molly about Facebook ads. Everybody talks to her about, um, you know, online advertising and how to make it better and how to optimize it. And I felt like, you know, she just has a really cool career path that she's followed over the last few years. And I thought it might be cool to try and, you know, get some conversation going along those lines to my delight and surprise. That's exactly what we talked about. Um, and we weave in and out of uh, a variety of topics, one of which is, and I say this all the time and I hope you really understand it and and believe it of your dealership. And that is that you're unique. There are no two uh, dealerships. There's no two dealer groups. There's no two areas that are exactly the same. There is a real pulse that runs deep in the dealership and that determines how scalable and how impactful the business can be. And I, I just love that. That's what our conversation rolled in and out of. And so I hope you got a lot of value out of it. If you did get value out of this episode or maybe something you heard or something you heard on another episode of the podcast, would you do me a favor? If you haven't done it already, click that subscribe button. And also, would you join me in my mission to enrich and empower retail automotive professionals around the world? Share this out with those that are going to get impact and value that are going to level up, you know, the best way to rise is to lift others, right? We talk about it on the show all the time. So would you do that? Also, Hey, why don't you connect with Molly share a uh, tweet her out or send her a message on Facebook and let her know what you thought of this episode. And while you're at it, send me over a, a connection request. I'd love to connect with you. I'm on LinkedIn at Michael Cirillo. Now, listen, I want you to also accelerate your career in the retail auto industry. And so if you haven't checked out my DPB Pro Facebook group, go on over to www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash DPB Pro. Here's what you're going to get when you join that group. And by the way, we don't let everybody in. There's a specific set of criteria of criterium uh, to letting people in that group. We want like-minded professionals who are looking to accelerate their career in the retail auto industry, who are looking to put all aspects of their life under the microscope. We're going to be creating mini habits, setting goals. There's accountability. There are live sessions. There is exclusive information and content, videos, and after interviews that we do not share on the public-facing podcast that you're going to get access to when you join that group. So make sure you head on over there, facebook.com forward slash group EPB Pro.